Welcome. Great to see so. My question is, what are you hiding and who are you hiding it from? We all have talents. What are you doing? Here's the big truth. Big or small, a lot or a little, God has given all of us talents and opportunities. He's given us gifts and he's given us abilities. And here's the deal. If you want to live like a boss, you've got to make a choice. And this, listen, is one of the most important choices a Christ follower will make in his or her life, what you'll do with all that God has given you. I'm telling you, it's central. I don't understand why so many people miss this. So I'm gonna give you really one of the most important messages you've ever heard, and, and it, it's, gonna, it's gonna change your life if you allow it. Welcome, by the way, all of our campuses, God Behind Bars, Great to see you, man. We love you. Come on, Campbell and Farragut and North, all of our campuses, thrilled guests. You make our worship more meaningful by being with us. You picked an incredible series and an incredible message. Now, this is going to be sort of a tough message. So I need you to follow along because it will change your forever. We're in the third installment of like a series, Like a Boss, learning to get promoted out of the cubicle of comparison into the corner office of contentment. So last week we talked about making a boss budget so that we would become the boss of our money and the money would not be the boss of us. So let me ask you a question. How many of you have at least started and done some things to get ready? How many of them? See your hands. Okay. Now, why don't you look around. Hold them up. Hold on. Sorry. Now look around. Okay, and put them down. That's about 10%. And that's about normal. So it's either one of two things. 90% of us got all our finances in order. That's right. In Hebrew, bull ahachi. Okay. So it is the second one. The American church believes following Jesus means I show up, I don't do anything. I hear a great sermon and say, wow, that's incredible. Somebody ought to do something. Somebody ought to change something. So we try to put this, even this weekend, our money where our mouth is and giving away at all of our campus's financial peace sets. You know, remember we're new rivers and new roads and one of the new roads God wants every one of us to walk on is, is the road of financial peace. Having rule over our money, not our money rule over us. So if we're gonna do new rivers and new roads, then you've gotta do some new things. That makes sense? In fact, God is doing a new thing. The question is, out of Isaiah 43, will you be aware of it and will you be a part of it? Because many of us are stuck in a rut and we're not changing anything. If you're going to achieve your full potential that God has given you, then you have to continue to make changes, right? Is that right? So I'm going to ask you a question. If you're listening, say, I am. I am. Are you putting God first in your finances? Let me ask you another question, actually even more important. Are you putting God first in everything in your life? Because when you were saved, you confessed that Jesus was Lord, which means he's the boss of every aspect of our life. So putting God first means that he is the owner and we're the manager. Is that right? That means we are managing everything. Your kids, your marriage, your ministry, your finance, your health, your spiritual walk. Your, God is over everything. So are you, is that, you all agree with that? Yeah. Now, some of you aren't there yet, and that's so cool. We're thrilled you're here. You're not sure you want to be a Christ follower. You're kicking the tires. You're taking a ride with us for a while. 
But I will promise you this. If you take the leap of faith to begin following Jesus, you'll gain more purpose and more passion than the world has the ability to dish out. Because right. let me tell you something about God. God doesn't want a part of everything. God wants to take part in everything. He wants to be a part of every aspect of your life. The American church, we go by God's house, we hang out with God for an hour, and then we go live our life like we want to, and that time with God doesn't affect the rest of our life. Is that, is that the American church? So we're going to look at a passage in Matthew 25 that is the 10 talent manager passage. Now I want you to understand something. You can believe it or not, but if, you, if I were to go get my journals that would probably at least stand right here because I keep all my journals, they're in a file in the file room over in the admin office. Almost every day, I have you in my journal, I'll put P with a circle, which means promiser in my, my Hebrew shorthand, and I'll put 10T, 10 talent. God, make them 10 talent servants. God, open eyes, help them maximize their life. Help them achieve their potential. They're going to stand accountable to you, God. Romans 14, 12, so that every one of us will give an account of himself or herself to God. So, Father, help me, God, help me teach the word of God. Holy Spirit, would you give wisdom? It is every day. God, open their eyes. God, open our eyes. Help us to be 10 talent managers for God. Why? Because then you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Then you'll be blessed here, and you'll be blessed when you get to heaven. Does that make sense? He that is ruler over a little will become ruler over much. When you're faithful with a little, God will bless you. I was on staff at a small, traditional Southern Baptist church in Chattanooga when I was in college. It was a, about half the leadership loved the pastor, and about half the leadership hated the pastor. And so they actually were killing the pastor. He left that church, went to another, tried to get me to go with him. I did not go. And he ended up with PTSD, he lost his marriage, lost his health because the church was so mean to him. So, and let me tell you, that's normal. That's normal. So he would always tell me, son, have a bullet in your gun, which means be ready to preach whenever I called on you. The phone would ring 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock on Sunday morning. There was one thing, and it was Dr. Mace because not one of my friends was awake at 5 o'clock on Sunday morning. I would pick up, yes, Dr. Mace. He said, son, I'll feel good. Have you got a bullet in your gun? I would say, yes, sir, Dr. Mace. Now, that was not always completely true. <laughs> but I would be loaded for church. And I'd get up and scramble and work on a sermon. Then I would, I would preach. And I would get up and say, so good to share with you. I've got great news from the Word, but I got some bad news. Our pastor is homesick because you people are killing him. I'm not kidding. See, I'm a love preacher today. Grace and mercy, man, just, you know, come on. That's me today. You didn't know me back then. I'm not kidding. I was saying, hey, Fred, you're killing the pastor. Why don't you find another church? Hey, Bill, that meeting right last week, trying to get the pastor fired, you'll stand accountable for Jesus. Why don't you go to another church? See, I'm a love preacher today. I was mean back then. And because I was faithful in serving my pastor, I was faithful and little. Today, I get to lead a staff that's very honoring to me. And I get to lead a church that's very honoring. So, I'm not losing my health because people hate me here. It's absolutely incredible. If you're faithful of a little, God will make you ruler over much. And some of you guys got a lot to manage for God. Matter of fact, some of you are blessed to the point of 
paralysis by analysis. You're just not sure what to do. You got time, you got talents, you got money. And if, if that's you, see me at your church because if you don't have a plan for your life, I do. <laughs> I can do that for you, man, I'm here. Others of you, you don't feel like you've got anything to offer. You're stuck in the cubicle of comparison. I can't serve God or do anything because I don't have as much as other people do. And that's exactly where the devil wants you. Comparison, are you with me? Because, see, most bosses don't own, don't own the company. Is that right? Right, right? How do you get to be, how do you get to live like a boss? By taking care of the owner's stuff. If you take care of the owner, you honor the owner, the owner's going to promote you. Does that make sense? That same thing works, in, works in, within the kingdom of God. So here's the deal. It is not about what you are given, but what you do with what you are given. God will hold you accountable. This weekend, God wants you to see that every opportunity, every ability, every moment is a gift from God to be used for the glory of God in your life to manage it for God. Even your kids, they're not yours, they're God's. And I've had people say, hey, pastor, I don't understand why are your kids so committed? How are they such leaders at an early age? How, how, did you, how did you pull that off? Because they were not mine and Michelle's, they were God's, and I've been training them to serve God since they were pooping yellow. And so people say, how do you, how do you guys, how did you get where you are? When they were teenagers, they had growth plans, and I was training them, are you with me? See, a lot of you are more worried about academics and athletics for your kids than the kingdom of God. They are not yours. And if you prepare them for the world and they'll prepare them for the kingdom, you'll be accountable to the owner, which is God, because you did not raise your kids to serve Jesus. So listen, when your kids turn 18 and 19 and they don't go to church and you walk and say, Pastor, I don't understand why my kids didn't go to church. And you spent your entire life on a soccer field and they didn't come to church. And you spent your entire life on travel teams and you told your kids that athletics were more important than the house of God and the kingdom of God. Do not wonder why they don't serve the God of the house or the God of the kingdom because you taught them, you prepared them to be athletes, not servants of the most high God. So, now, athletics are great. My kids play. It's no problem. It's no problem. Let them play. But listen, God's got to be first. So what are you doing with what you've been given? God, would you open our eyes in a radical new way? God, the enemy hates this sermon. The flesh hates this sermon. God, would you give a supernatural impartation because this message will change people's today and their forever. Open our eyes. We believe it and we receive it. In Jesus' name we pray it. And all God's people said, Amen. all right, we're going to Matthew 25 where some of the toughest parables Jesus ever taught. He's teaching his disciples to help them and to help us so that we will use what God has given us, how we use it. So let's begin the parable in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 25. For it's like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves. Now, some of you, if you're not careful, you'll miss, the, you'll miss what God wants to teach because I don't like the word slave. Are you with me? And this culture... This biblical culture, if you were broke and you couldn't do anything, you could literally sell yourself to a wealthy person and you would serve them and, and to the, until the, every seven years, all debts were forgiven, all slaves were free. But at the end of seven years, when the, when the owner said, hey, you're free to go your way, you paid your debt, you said, no, I actually like it here better, 
I want to be, I want to serve you the rest of my life. They would take you to the temple, you'd make a commitment, they would mark your ear with a punch, and you would be a slave of the owner for the rest of your life. You chose, Paul said, I'm a slave for God. I, it's called a do loss. I am a slave for God. It doesn't bother me to call myself a slave for God. Does it bother y'all? No. Come on, somebody? No. All right. So he called his own slaves and trusted whose possessions? His possessions to them. 20 gave five talents. Now, talent is not an ability. A talent is a measurement of money in this culture. He's like saying, I gave one five bags of gold, five bars of gold, five talents of money, five bags of money, and to the other gave two, and another gave one, each according to his own ability. And he went on a journey. Jesus came, he died for us, he rose from the grave, he sent the Holy Spirit, we've got gifts, he's the owner, we're the managers, we manage God's stuff, are you with me? And so good managers get blessed with more stuff. Jesus went on a journey, he's in heaven. He is, it's a long journey and he is coming back. So every opportunity, every ability, all your money, everything is his. And so let me translate that for you. Are you ready? You can do this. See, God formed you. He knows what you can handle. I drive an F-150. It means it is rated for half a ton, the, the ton. The frame will hold half a ton of weight in the bed. God formed your unformed frame, and he knows what you can handle and gave you gifts and ability, and he will judge you according to what he has given you and what you did with it. You say, but if I had more, if I had more, I'd serve. If I had more, I'm looking at everybody else in this cubicle of comparison. And if I just had more, I'd manage it. If you don't manage what you have, why would God ever give you more? It doesn't work that way. See, in the kingdom of God, it's not about fair. It's about forever. Getting to heaven is by grace through faith alone, period, in Jesus alone. It is absolute supernatural gift from God. But your rewards, how you experience heaven, what you have there, that will be based on what you do with what God has given you. Oh, boy, there wasn't a grunt right there, was there? See, we don't like this truth. It's all about grace. That's right. Salvation is all about grace. Your rewards is all about your works. See, you don't have to fall off one side or the other. Let's be biblically balanced. If you missed the message on contentment first week, you're on vacation, sick day, whatever, go back and get it. Because if you want to live like a boss, you've got to get out of the cubicle of comparison and walk in contentment. So before we go any further, let me ask you a question. What has God given you? What have you been given? See, so many of you believe you don't have anything to offer God. And so, so you don't have anything to offer God. So 7 billion people on planet Earth, you're the only one God screwed up with. <laughs> you're just the only one. I don't give to build it. I don't, I, just, I don't have nothing. And Lucifer laughs because he's neutralized you as a manager for God. God, by and by, some of you guys are freer than some people in our other campuses this weekend. You're serving God. You're free. You're walking with God. And one day God's going to get you out. And when you get out, you're going to be a better manager and you're going to serve God. It's going to be incredible. Man, that's why we're there. We love you guys. See, if you're a Christ follower, come on, that's right. If you're a Christ follower, you've been given abilities, opportunities, and moments. You say, but there are people that have more than me. Sure there are. There are people that have more. There are people that have less. They're just, God puts gifts in the body as he chooses. He blesses us as he chooses. But you've been given something. The question is, what are you doing with what you've been given? 
I don't know. Make a list. How much money you have? How much time you have? What about your health? What about your calling? Spiritual gifts, passions. Take everything you've got. It's not about what you've been given, though. It is about what you do with it. You'll not be judged according to what I did with mine, and I'll not be judged according to what you did with yours, but we all will be judged according to what God gave us. You say, but if I just had some more, I'd manage it better. No, you just have more stuff to be responsible for. Because if you're not responsible with a little, God will never make you ruler over much. It just doesn't happen. So immediately, now remember, he, the owner has just given these bags of money to the servants, right? The slaves, right? I want you to watch. Immediately, the one who had five went out, began trading, and gained five more. Man, he didn't sit around. He put it in B for boogie. God expects a return on his investment. Are you with me? Man, quit sitting around wondering, put the car in drive, get out of park and get moving. And the one that had two in the same manner, immediately, he went out and received two more talents. But the one that received one talent went away, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. You say, that's the stupidest thing I have ever heard. Nobody would do what that guy just did. Dug a hole and hid his master's money. That's crazy. So let me ask you a question. By the way, what were all those abilities you had and the callings you had and the money that you have and the kids that you have and the passions you have and the gifts that you have? Are some of those not being used? Then I would suggest you've hidden them in the ground. There's no whooping it right now. No Holy Ghost hootenanny going on right now. Well, pastor, you just don't understand. I'm too busy. I'm sure God will accept that as an excuse. I'm, I'm sure. Well, I didn't realize your schedule was so tight. Oh, it didn't matter what you did with what I gave you. See, we want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. Just a lot of us don't want to be good and faithful servant. We just want well done. And it may work here where everybody gets a trophy, even if they never got their bum off the bench. It doesn't work that way in heaven. You get in by grace alone through what Jesus did alone, but your rewards and what, you, and what you experience in heaven are based on what you did with what God gave you. It's not how much he gave you, but what you did with it. The, cult, the culture does not color heaven. God has chosen it. See, what he said is, you're the light of the world, a city set up on a hill. It cannot be hidden. Nobody lights a lamp and puts it in her basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to the, all that are in the house. You are, let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see whose good works and glorify who? God. See, it's your job to use what God has given you to use them to glorify him. If you're a Christ follower, he's lit your lamp. He's given you gifts. You're already the light of the world. You're already a city set up on a hill. And if you will manage everything that God has given you, they will glorify God because you're simply not that good. And neither am I. Time is now, baby. Because this changes today and it changes your forever. Pastor, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready. God has already lit your lamp. He's already given you gifts, and he is wondering why you're not already using them. Does this make sense? Because they'll see you, and they'll believe in God. Quit being a boss baby. Put your big boy pants on. Let's manage what God has given us. Boy, man, y'all are quiet as a church mouse. <laughs> now, in Chattanooga, when I was there, I was in a little church, a little traditional Southern Baptist church, making $100 a week with 10 students in my youth group. I was a part-time youth director. And God began to move. Now you doubled, and then it doubled, and then it doubled. 
And, and I, who was in a little church, didn't know anybody. All the big churches in Chattanooga started coming by, want to know what was happening, because now I've got the largest youth group in Chattanooga. And so as we would talk, one of the first questions, every student pastor that came to see me said, how much money do you make? And I said, well, I make $100 a week. Well, the church is screwing you over. Really? Because I didn't know. And what they were trying to do is force me into a cubicle of comparison and they were trying to freeze me out. They just didn't know it. Because, see, I was happy with that $100 a week until everybody told me the church is screwing me over. See, comparison will stall you out in serving God. But because I was faithful, faithful with those students and faithfully served God, can I tell you, it wasn't long until I surpassed all those guys that were telling me how bad the church was screwing me over. So we moved to Jennings, Louisiana and take a little church plant with 25 people. You be faithful over little, God will make you ruler over much. That church doubled, it doubled again, it doubled again, doubled again, and in four years, we were the largest church in that entire county. A third of the city came to our Easter. The, the town had 11,000 people. We had 3,300 at Easter. A third of the town came. And so, you know what? I was being faithful with what God has given me. Then I got a phone call from this guy I'd never heard of called Terry DuPont with a church plant in a place I'd never heard of called Oak Ridge. See, we're Americans. We don't know history. <laughs> Ours or anybody else's. And so I'd never heard of Oak Ridge. I come up, and, man, I go to a church that's, about, that's, a, that's a less than half of the church I'm at. But God had it. See, if you're a ruler, this month over 10,000 people will worship with us, and this weekend there'll be 8,000 people. Why? Because I was faithful with a little, and God began making me get to be, lead over a lot. Does this make sense? You've got to be faithful with God, what God has given you. you. See, God wants you to be faithful, and God wants you to be fruitful. So let's keep going. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came to settle accounts, Romans 14, 12, or 12, 14. With them, the one that had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents and said, you gave me five, I've doubled it. Here's 10. Can you feel him? I love it. And what did he say? Well done, good and faithful slaves. See, we've got the well done, good and faithful, but we don't have it memorized in context. See, well done, good and faithful means you've been good and faithful. Doesn't mean you've just been sitting on your bum. It means you've been doing something with what God has given you. And then God says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the what? Joy of your master, the one that received the two talents. Same deal. Master, you're going to trust the two. See, I've gained two more talents. This master said it. And well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the what? Joy of your master. And the one who received one came up and said, Master, I knew you'd be a hard man, reaping where you do not sow, gathering where you scatter no seed. And I was what? This is what's keeping many of you from being a good manager for God. You're afraid to serve. You're afraid to give. You're afraid to step out. And if you do not let your faith outdistance your fear, you will never hear from God. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on. There is so, are so many things I do and lead this congregation to that I am terrified. My favorite theologian, John Wayne, says, courage is being afraid and saddling up anyway. Come on. Are we afraid? Sure we are. Afraid to take us? Sure we are. We built the first campus in Blount County. I was terrified. We spent $1.1 million for what could have flopped. 
But God was more concerned about lost people in Blount County than he was the $1.1 million. So he said, if you knew, man, you were afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground, see you have what is yours. Now listen, here's the deal. This is a bold move by this third manager. Because not only did he not do what the master said, but he blamed the master for it. Sound familiar? We disobey God and we blame God. It's a double win for the devil. You don't do what God calls you to do and then you look up and say, it's not my fault, God, this is all you. I know I'm supposed to serve. I know 1 Peter chapter 4 says each one of us has been given a, spiritual, a, a, super, a, a gift, use it in serving one another, good news of, of the good use of the manifold grace of God. I know I'm supposed to serve, but see, you don't realize something, Pastor. I got kids and I'm married and I've got to work overtime and my kids got ball games and their travel teams and we got all this stuff. I don't really have time to serve you, God, and it's not my fault. You gave me these kids. It's really yours. Hey, God, I know that I'm supposed to have a quiet time. I should have done the devotion the pastor wrote for me in January, but I didn't because I really didn't have time. I'm not doing the Bible reading record because I really don't spend any time in the Word. I really don't spend any time in prayer. And I really don't spend any time with God because you don't understand. I am busy, and I'm really not a morning person. So, God, it's your fault I'm not a morning person, so it's really your fault I don't spend any time with you. How about cutting the stinking TV off at 9? and go to bed and get up, spend some time with God. I'm not a morning person. Then spend the evening, cut the TV off and spend some time in the evening with God. See, we don't spend any time with him and we blame God. Hey, I know I'm supposed to tithe God, I got that. I know the Bible is clear that we're to bring the tithe, the whole tithe in the, in the storehouse. But listen, God, I don't have enough and my kids got this and we got a car payment and out, bum, 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 bum. So I'm, I'm not gonna tithe and it's not my fault, God, it's your fault. And we get to heaven, God's gonna say, oh, I'm so sorry. You would have been a good servant if I hadn't blown it. You say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It absolutely is. You're gonna, if you're a Christ follower, you're going to stand accountable. And I love you. Because see, the problem with the third manager wasn't the lack of return on the owner's investment. It was a lack of love for the master. And the real reason that you don't spend time with God is not because you're busy, because you don't love him. Because if you loved him, you'd want to be with him. And the real reason you don't serve is not because you're too busy. It's because you don't love the house of God and the God of the house enough to sacrifice to serve God. I love you. I'm not mad. But I'm telling you, I've been begging God for years to open our eyes on this. Are you with me? Are, are y'all with me? Because you're going to stand accountable for this, and you will never look at me at the beam of scene and say, Pastor, why didn't you teach us? You know it got to do it. So let's, let's finish it. His master said, you wicked, lazy slave. It's odd to me that we never think God says this anymore. I know I don't serve. I don't give. I don't really do anything, but God doesn't see me as wicked and lazy. Really? I guess God changed. You knew that I reaped where I didn't sow, and I gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to put my money in the bank, and upon my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, watch this, therefore, watch this. Take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10. Whoa, hold up, that's not fair. 
That is not fair. He's got 10, I've got one, and you're going to take the one I have. It's not fair. I know. It's not fair that God takes it away from the wicked, lazy servants who don't do anything with it and gives it to the one who does. I don't care if you got a trophy every time. I don't care what the world says fair. Listen, if you don't use what God has given you, he will take it away and give it to somebody that will. Man. Holy moly, it's not about what you've been given. It's about what you do with it. Come on, what have you been given? Look at your calendar. Look at your gifts. Look at your money. Look at your kids. Look at your family. Look at every aspect of your life and say, what would it be like if, if I actually made God the boss of that aspect? Your marriage not doing well? You ever thought about making God the Lord of your marriage? You ever thought, men, about loving your wife like Christ loved the church? You ever thought, ladies, about loving your husband, have you ever thought about the sacrificial love of, of really laying your life down for your spouse? You ever thought about praying together and letting the Holy Spirit of God blow some wind in your marriage? Your sex will be better when God's there. I just woke up 25 men right there. Oh, God doesn't care about sex. He invented it. I believe he does. And it's supposed to be good. So and you let God get in, it's good. Does this make sense? So in just a second, some of you, you, you've not made God the Lord. You may have prayed a prayer. Listen, praying a prayer is not a religious formula. It is saying, God, I've been in the left seat of this plane. If you ever look in a cockpit when you get in a, when a plane, the boss is on the left side. The left side is the PIC, the pilot in command. The right guy in the right seat, he's junior. He's the co-pilot. But if you will get out of the left seat and you'll say, God, the plane is yours. My money is yours. My time is yours. My gifts are yours. My kids are yours. My ministry, my business, everything I have is yours. Now you fly the plane. Who's a better pilot? The one who made the winds and the wings and the storms and the sky are you. Flying by the seat of your pants. God knows every storm, God knows. Listen, if you'll let God fly the plane, life will be good. He said, listen, I won't just bless you in heaven. I'll make an abundance today. But you've got to be faithful with what I've given you. That's why we try to get you to serve. That's why we try to get you to be faithful in giving. That's why we try to get you to be faithful in spending time with God, to make him Lord. Are you with me? And I'm just going to tell you, I'm a satisfied customer. So if you're ready to get out of the left seat, and give your life over to God and make him the boss. Every head bow, every eye closed. We're gonna pray this simple prayer. The prayer is simple, but to surrender is not. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I've been the boss. I've done it my way. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my master. Be my boss. Show me how to manage all of your stuff, and here, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on somebody, you glad you came this weekend? Man, now listen, I love what some of your friends tell you. Yeah, you go to that big old church. Y'all candy coat everything over there. Invite them. Just tell them, get ready. Put your flap jacket on, your steel toe boots, because we don't play games at Faith Promise. We don't play games. So, 
If you just gave your heart to Jesus, if you just made him boss, then take the communication card that's in front of you, give your name, cell phone, email, check the, bo check the box right to the right. I pray with the pastor. Check the box, I need baptism. Check the box if you've not been in next steps. And then when the offering bucket comes by, drop in the offering bucket. Now, if you're a guest, all we ask for is the communication card. We don't want your money, we want your heart. We want you to make God boss of your life because when he becomes boss, your life will become different. There's no question about it. We've done it, we believe it. It's not about what you're given, it's about what you do with what you're given. As we get ready to give, you do know that Jesus watches the offering. Oh, you didn't know that? Look right here. And, and he looked and saw the rich putting their gifts in the treasury, the offering. And he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. And he said, truly I say to you, this poor woman put in more than all of them. For out of their surplus, they put in the offering. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. It's not about, listen, the kingdom of God is not about who gives the most money. No way. There are, matter of fact, poor people on average give a lot more money percentage-wise than rich people. So the more you have, the harder it is to give. That's why you need to start, we don't have a little. When you just have a little and just, just keep on rolling. So we're gonna, we're gonna move into a tangible source, a tangible form of generosity and giving. So we invite you to take your, your first step. Some of you begin giving. Some of you put God in your budget. Some of you move to level of 10%. Some of you move lavish. Or some of you, man, listen, you're putting thousands of promisers, putting aside for heart for the harvest. Guess if you'll put the communication cards in, come on, man, let's just worship God. Father, as these ushers come forward, I pray you'll bless the gift and the giver. I pray you'll move. I pray God will have an abundance. I pray God that we'll be all be 10 talent managers, effectively and faithfully managing all that you've given us to have oversight over. Use us and bless us. Those who gave online, those who give this weekend, bless in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Come on, give God a shout of praise as we get ready to give.